Hey guys, Hunter here. Wanted to ask you a quick favor. We're really trying to grow the podcast and podcasts typically grow by word of mouth. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it to your story on social media or make a post about it anywhere that that you uh, consume content. Put the word out. We really want to get the word of health and fitness out to as many people as possible. We really appreciate it. And now let's get to the show. back with the Coyote Fitness Podcast. Hunter here coming to you from the Flowwood Studios with Caleb once again. And today we are going to talk about longevity. Uh, a lot of times when we're talking about the gym and health and fitness goals, we're thinking about, you know, we're talking about six-week periods, 12-week periods, three-month periods, that type of thing. Um, and we want to talk about the transition of thinking about your health and fitness um, for life and what that looks like and why, uh, longevity is so important because, um, we can get so caught up in, you know, how much progress we make in a month or two months, but we don't think about, you know, where we're going to be 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And I, and we, you know, we think that's something that's really important to, uh, to think about and consider when you're, you're, uh, you know, planning your health and fitness regime. So, uh, regiment. So I think that's, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. I think for us, we, you know, one of the most common conversations we have is how do you balance wanting to work hard and pushing yourself and intensity with being able to do this sustainably for the rest of your life? And so once you can kind of answer that question and once you can um, try to find that balance, well, one, we want to help people try to help ask questions and talk about what does that look like. But once you can find that, I think then you find this ultimate question of, or ultimate confidence in knowing that you have a plan to experience what you're experiencing now for the rest of your life. No matter what life looks like, no matter what happens with your family or kids or job, you have a plan in place to be able to trust and have confidence that this, the, the workout routine that you have, the nutrition routine that you have is something that is not going to go away. And we want to empower people to feel, to feel that confidence, uh, because I think that's when you can really enjoy the gym. You can enjoy, uh, your health, your wellness for the rest of your life. I think, um, a lot of times when people think about working out or going to the gym, it seems like a, a young person's game. You think it's something that you do in your teens and your twenties and, you know, by the time you're in your 30s, people it, it is not really a priority anymore, and people don't really think about that. And I'm kind of over the hill. I'm past my prime. There's no need for me to do that. And then um, what I've seen consistently over a long period of time is people, you know, will get really big into health and fitness when they're young and then get busy with work and career and um, kids and family and that type of thing. And then, you know, they'll look up 10, 15 years later and man, I really need to do something. I gotta, I gotta start getting myself in shape again and, and getting back uh, and trying to figure out something that they need to do. Um, you know, when they're 35, 40, 45, even 50. And what we constantly try to talk to our members about is that if you think about your, in, your lifespan and plan to, uh, have a health and fitness regime, uh, regiment that's going to help you stay in shape for the rest of your life, it kind of changes the way that you think about, 
uh, the way you work out. And if you're thinking about, I need to find a way uh, to work out that's going to be sustainable for me to do continuously for 20 years, you're going to be thinking about things a little bit differently than you're thinking about what's the way I can make the most fastest progress in a three month period. And uh, sometimes, you know, what you would do for longevity is the complete opposite of what you would do in the, in the short term. And so um, that's always something that's at the forefront of our minds because it's something that we see is very, very important and something that, you know, with time and perspective inside the gym, you, you learn more and more how important it is to encourage people to have longevity because you see people come, you see people go, you see people be motivated for short periods of time and then leave and leave the gym. And then you see them again in five, 10 years. And they're like, gosh, I really got to do something. I got to get back in shape. Whereas if we could help them find something that was sustainable for them, they would be much better positioned um, 10 years down the road than uh, getting in peak physical condition for one year and then letting it go for the next nine. I think that you have to almost, you know, when I think about longevity in the gym, I think about this idea of leaving something in the tank in order to preserve your tank essentially. And, um, you know, it's, it's not, eventually you have to give something up in order to get longevity. And so that may be, there may be a movement that causes, you know, pain or you to lose sleep or just an amount of stress that is not worth, uh, that's not worth giving up that longevity. And so I think about certain things and certain, maybe let's just talk percentages of effort. It, it doesn't mean you have to not work hard. And that's what I think is one of the biggest misconceptions is it doesn't eliminate hard work. It doesn't eliminate intensity, but it may look like not feeling like you've got to perform at 100% peak capacity every day and understanding that that's not reality for anyone. And so that myth, I think, hangs over people's head. They feel like, I'm not going to make progress if I don't just leave it all out there. If I don't wipe myself out today, my score's not going to be as good. I'm not going to reflect, you know, it's not going to reflect my best effort and that sort of thing. And I think kind of when you, when you begin to have a longevity mindset, you accept that, Part of longevity is leaving a little bit in the tank and being confident with that. And so that is a shift that I see when people make, um, they, we just want to make sure that they're making that and not completely going into that where it's like, oh, well, nothing matters. I'm not going to try. And so I think that's, I don't know, Hunter, if you kind of can understand the difference between those two or talk further on it, but um, maybe what is the difference between leaving something in the tank so that you can you can care most about what matters most in the day and also not going so far off that you just say like, Oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to, I just, I'm going to take it easy. I think, um, that just makes me think of my own personal experience. And when I started, um, CrossFit back in 2010, um, I immediately wanted to start competing. And so every day I was going as hard as I possibly could wiped out on the floor. Um, and then coming back again the next day, I was 20, you know, five, I think 24 at the time. And I did that for four or five, six years and continued to add volume. And after about five years, it got to be really, really hard mentally to get up, to go that hard and really make myself hurt that much consistently. But, you know, for the, the goal of competing, um, I was able to continue to do that. Well, I eventually reached the point where I, I was just, I'm like, I'm tired of 
killing myself in these workouts every single day. And that's when I really started feeling this um, feeling of burnout. And that's something that I think um, a lot of people will experience at, at some point in time. And to me, burnout is when you are um, doing, not getting the uh, results that you feel like you should from the amount of work you're getting. And so when you're really uh, beating yourself into the ground day in and day out and not seeing um, what you feel like you should be getting at that point, you start looking at it and say, what, why am I doing this? What's the point of this? If it, if it's not even, you know, going to get me to where my goal is. And so that's when, you know, it was a, a, a process for me to kind of reflect and say, well, what am I doing? Why am I spending so much time training? Uh, you know, my goals are different. And so I started adjusting my training to fit my goals and realizing that now I train to increase the quality of life, increase my longevity, help me and I want to continue to do this for the rest of my life. And so realizing that that means for me, most days giving an 80 to 90% effort, because I know number one, I'm going to be able to come back again tomorrow and do it again. I'm not going to be, um, you know, potentially having pain or something like that because I'm not pushing it to the limit. I've definitely lightened the weights that I lift. I'm not going super heavy anymore. Um, and I'm really kind of working around movements that I know kind of cause me issues or staying light on those type of things. So it's helping me, you know, be able to come back the next day, but also it helps me the rest of the day and have energy to devote towards what are more important to me than, you know, how I perform in the workout, which is, you know, my career and my family and that type of thing. And if I'm beating myself into the ground every single day in the gym, it takes away from every, every other part of my day because I'm just so tired and trying to recover. And so, uh, I start looking at hard work as not the amount of volume I do on a given day, but the amount of con- days I consistently come in and good, give a good effort. That doesn't mean I'm trying to just let myself go. I'm still, you know, trying to make progress, monitoring my, my in-body scans, making sure I'm, you know, trying to uh, track my food and lose weight and, and put on muscle and that type of thing. But it, it's not like the obsession that it used to be because I, you know, realize what it is for at this given time is to improve my quality of life for the rest of my life. And so changing that shift of why I come to the gym has allowed me to be able to be okay with giving an 80% effort, even though it's going to, I'm not going to finish as high on the leaderboard as I know I, I could have if I had given a hundred percent effort, but ultimately my goal is not to finish the top of the leaderboard. My goal is to, um, you know, improve my quality of life. And I think that's where you have to get to the goal side of it, where, you say, what is the ultimate goal? So longe- the key to longevity is reminding yourself that you have a you have an overarching goal that is that is most important. That's going to be your lifetime goal, and then you probably have the short term goals. And longevity is trying to match up your short term your short term thinking with that long term goal. And so reminding yourself that okay, more important than doing this today is what is my life going to look like in 15 years, in 20 years. And so trying to match those up is really important. But I think the most important part of it uh, is that it keeps you from um, burning out and it keeps you from losing sight of what's like you just talked about, what's most important in your life, your family, your career, your ability to do the things outside of the gym that you love. Um, you know, none of us are in the gym to be in the gym. We're in the gym to experience life and a higher quality of life outside of the gym. And so trying to remind yourself of that more often is a key to trying to balance longevity. I think one physical example that I love, and I maybe have talked about this before, but 
everyone knows rowing. We all, we all row, uh, and we've all had that effort where we just gave it all, left it all out there and, you know, maybe fell off the rower and just exhausted. Um, there is, so for, for the 2000 meter row, the world record for that is from 2018, at least what I, what I saw was five minutes and 35 seconds. And the way they talk about the 2k row trial is you've got about a five and a half, six minute all out effort and the taxing nature that that has on their body sometimes lingers for up to two weeks whenever they set a world record. And the, the analogy I love is that if those people who do the world record, if they just take 10 to 15 seconds off that world record time, they can do it three times in a training session in one day and recover and feel good the next day. And it was just 10 or 15 seconds. And so for us, I think the way we look at our workouts is for longevity is to say, what we're trying to do is just sacrifice 5%, 10% of that. I'm going to wipe it all out so that you can have potentially day after day of being able to repeat it. And so that's what you're describing is some, for some people, exercise has become something that is painful and it's something that is hard to make yourself want to do because you think it's going to hurt. And for a lot of people, you're just about 5% um, of grace or 10% of just a little bit of grace for yourself on your pacing away from experiencing something that is repeatable for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so my encouragement for, for you out there is to know that whether you did four rounds plus 32 or four rounds plus 13 isn't matter, doesn't matter at all to the people who care about you. But what that difference could be is that you now learn to love exercise and have a peace of mind around exercise that could lead to 20 years of success. I see a lot uh, in the gym where somebody will come in off a rest day or they'll come in on a workout that they're like, oh, this is my wheelhouse. I'm going to crush this workout. And they will just absolutely crush themselves um, to get the best possible score they can. And then you won't see them again for two or three days because their body is feeling wrecked. They're recovering. And then they come back and they're like, oh, I've been I've been super sore. I'm getting you know, I'm, I'm just going to ease back in the day. And then you end up looking up and at the end of the week, they've worked out two or three times with one like maximal effort. Whereas they would have been much better off giving a 90 to 95% effort on that first workout. Yeah, they would probably finish the workout a little bit slower. They would finish the workout a little bit slower, but then they would have been able to come back the next day and give another 90% effort. And then they would have been able to come back the next day and get another 90% effort. And if you add up the total work done over the week uh, and their power output and all that type of stuff, the second, the second uh, option, they would have gotten a lot more work done. And you add that up over months and months and months, and they will be much further along in their fitness than they would have if they, uh, go, instead of going the first way, when they feel good, kill themselves, and then spend the rest of the week recovering. And so um, it just it happens all the time, and we, we always are trying to encourage people to leave a little bit in the tank, encourage attendance and attendance uh, – amount of attendances per month as opposed to uh, how many times of the, uh, per month you're at the top of the leaderboard. If you focus on the amount of times you come to the gym over, uh, in a given month as opposed to how many times you're at the top of the leaderboard in a given month, you're over an extended period of time, you you will make more progress. Now, somebody that's trying to compete and make compete at the highest level, that's a completely different game. And, you know, that is something that um, 
you know, is also worth a discussion because in order to be able to go at that high level and uh, be able to come back and go at a high level again the next day, it requires a full-time commitment in recovery outside the gym. And if you don't have that capacity to do that, if you aren't um, in a place where you can train and spend nine to 10 hours sleeping and get your diet and nutrition and recovery and mobility completely and hundred percent in check, you're not going to be able to recover from those all out efforts consistently. And so if you're not, you have to be realistic with yourself and what you can do. I don't think we, to that point, I don't think you want an exercise routine that demands that you go home and, and stretch for 30 minutes for you to be able to get out, get out of the bed pain-free the next day. Um, you know, we, we talk about recovery protocols and all these things that can help you feel great. And yes, they will give you quality of life. You know, a cold plunge is probably going to make you feel great for your business meeting in the morning, you know, all these different things. But at the end of the day, longevity is just measuring your ability to recover with the effort that you can give. And so you can give more effort in terms of that cost of what it does to your body if you've matched that up with recovery. But the reality is most of the people who are listening to this are on their way to a, a meeting or to pick up kids or, you know, to run an errand and you're not sitting in a sauna and you're not, you know, going to take uh, time to uh, have every aspect of your nutrition dialed in to the T every single day because that's not the reality of life. And so I think that's a great point to think about what we're talking about is really just measuring your recovery with what you do to your body and not having the misconception that you can give a professional athlete effort with a just normal workday recovery protocol. And so matching those two up is really important and, and your coaches can have that conversation with you. This kind of brings me to the next thought about longevity in terms of nutrition. And, you know, we talk about nutrition here a lot, but uh, the reality is for a lot of people, they kind of, kind of take the same approach in their eating. They take a, um, I'm going all in hundred percent effort into the nutrition. And eventually that leads to a sense of burnout that oftentimes goes to that you know, the, the example would be like not going to the gym of eating is like not even putting a care in the world into what you're eating. And so what we're trying to do as well as match up um, the expectation that you can make phenomenal, phenomenal progress with 80 to 90 percent adherence to your diet. Um, but for most people, it's an on off switch that ends up frustrating them the same way that the I'm in the gym, giving a hundred percent effort, wiping myself out, or I'm just off and um, I'm not able to kind of work up the, the uh, mental energy to get back into the gym. I'm not able to work up the mental energy to go all into my nutrition. And so trying to find that balance of longevity is important in your eating as well. Do you have any thoughts on like yeah. what you so, have experienced? I mean, I think nutrition and training are the exact same. Um, you have to think about what you're doing currently and think, is this something that I could continue doing for a very, very, very long time inside the gym as well as with your eating? And if it's not, you need to think about well, what is it that is causing me to feel like this is too much or it's overwhelming or whatever. And keep tweaking until you find the thing that number one, you think you can continue for a long period of time. And number one, that's helping you continue to achieve your goals. Now, um, you also have to be mindful that it's going to be a little bit slower path for progress, but it's going to be a slow, steady 
uh, progression over an extended period of time. And I would much rather see that with somebody than somebody make a super, super fast uh, progress and then completely fall off the wagon because they can't sustain that. And there, are, there is a time and a place to make the fast progress. And, you know, I'm not saying that there is not a time for that. There's time, you know, we do the beach body challenge. It's like, if you can really devote six weeks to this to make a lot of progress, and then we can help you transition into something that's a little bit more sustainable, but realizing that for a lot of people that is not sustainable for an extended period of time. And so what that looked like for me is number one, looking at my training program, uh, week to week and thinking, is this something that I can sustain for years and also, um, continue to make progress. And for me, what that looks like is I do four class workouts a week. Typically one of those is going to be the sweat workout. And that's typically, you know, later on the week when I feel like, nah, I don't, I just don't have a ton of intensity to give, but I still want to get a workout in. And one or one or two of those days, I'll go pretty hard depending on the workout and, and how I feel on that day. If I slept good, I'll go pretty hard on one or two of the workouts. One of the workouts, it's typically 80%. Uh, one or two of them is 90 to 95%. And then typically, like I said, the sweat workout. And then two days a week, I'm doing the physique track. So I'm doing bodybuilding type stuff, helping me put on muscle mass. It's low intensity. It's kind of fun to change a pace. So I'm still working out six days a week, but I'm really only going hard one or two days a week, you know, going above 90% effort one or two days a week, depending on the week. And then with my diet, it is as simple as tracking my food every single day and eating similar breakfast and lunch every single day. I'm eating, I'm having the same protein shake every single day. I'm having the same snacks every single day. The only th thing that changes during the week is typically my dinner, but I'm still right around the same amount of calories. And then on the weekend, I'm, you know, I'll typically will go out to eat once or twice. I'll be a little bit more lax with the food quality. I don't sweat if I go a couple hundred calories over my calories on the week weekend, but I've been doing this for, you know, since the start of the year, and I, my weight has continually gone down and my, my muscle mass has slowly crept back up. And to me, it's, I'm like looking at it. I'm like, I can eat this way indefinitely and I can work out this way indefinitely. And that's ultimately what I want to do. And so I think for every single person, you have to kind of think about that. Is this something that is sustainable for me? Is the way that I'm eating sustainable? That's why we encourage people to not feel bad about when you go to a birthday party or go to a wedding and eat the cake or drink the alcohol at the wedding, whatever. Don't feel bad about that. If it's part of, you know, the long-term plan of, Hey, every now and then I am going to just, I'm going to go to the party and enjoy myself because I can't just white knuckle it for forever. I got to find something that's sustainable for a long period of time. And so we encourage people always to be thinking about that kind of thing and don't ever feel bad about going on vacation and eating whatever you want, as long as um, it's part of your long-term plan. With longevity, I think ultimately the conversation kind of starts and ends with where do you identify your worth? Are you someone who can delay the gratification of, I want to be in the gym 10 years from now with the same people having the same experience, or can you, are you still stuck in that I am worth, my, my level of worth is tied to how I perform or where my leaderboard finish is? Um, and I think if you can identify what your worth, where you, where you value yourself and what you value the most, you're going to be most likely to be able to take that step towards longevity. And I think true happiness with your routine in the gym and with your nutrition. And so don't let that, that, um, false sense of performance um, kind of lull you or trick you into thinking that you in any way or your value in the gym or with your friends 
in this fitness community is tied to how you perform because um, I guarantee you that if you were to stop performing, it would not change the way anyone interacts with you at all. And on the flip side of that, if you can go to that longevity, that worth, and kind of begin that process of, of understanding that truth, I think you're going to realize that you're going to enjoy the community at the gym. You're going to look at other people and possibly even begin to think about other people more than yourself. And that becomes a really gratifying thing. As coaches, our day is centered around other people's gym experience. And we still love being in the gym and we love getting to do the workouts. But we are thinking about other people's workout all day long. And that is a really fun thing to do. So you as a member... Sometimes it's a, it begins that process, a lot deeper process of trying to um, flip from thinking everyone's looking at you to realizing that, man, this is going to be more fun if I take the pressure off myself and I start to realize I can look at other people and encourage them and talk to them. And when you can do that, we've watched people go through this process for years. It becomes a, an, a whole new experience um, in terms of what you what you uh, think of when you think about going to the gym. And so that sense of worth may be worth digging into uh, and and taking a deeper look and kind of reflecting on that for yourself. If you really find that you think that people are looking at you differently by where you finish on the leaderboard, um, then you may have that performance mindset and you may be susceptible to risking long-term and longevity when it comes to the gym. I walked through that very... Uh, same process when I, you know, started getting out of competing and I started having these thoughts of what, you know, I'm the gym owner and people are looking at me. What if I'm not having the top score on the leaderboard? Are people still going to, you know, look up to me and want my advice and that type of thing and worried about that? And what I found was it was the complete opposite is people could start to relate to me more because, um, you know, I was almost like more on their level than I had been. Like when you're competing and competing at a really high level, nobody can really relate to you. And when my focus went from my own fitness to other people's fitness, it became way more enjoyable for me. And I started to thoroughly enjoy working out with people because I was focused on having a, t a good time with the community, enjoying my experience with them and, you know, giving my best effort. But at, at the end of the day, doing it because I enjoyed it and it was fun. And I started being able to relate to people so much more and people started, you know, relating to me more. And it was just a much better experience overall than when I was only focused on um, how I performed on a given day and being in a bad mood if I didn't feel like I performed well. And so I found that, that, you know, what I was afraid of was it was exact opposite is actually what happened. And, and now like I, I thoroughly enjoy working out every single day and I love working out in class and, and, you know, going hard with people and giving everybody fist bump afterwards and doing the same thing as everybody else and being right there in the mix with everybody. Because, um, ultimately it's about that shared experience that I get to, to, uh, share with people. And, you know, when you're trying to compete, it can be a very, very lonely uh, endeavor. And now I feel like I'm walking through it with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of Coyote members at all of our locations. So it's, it's to me, it's it's such a, a more fun and, um, you know, enjoyable experience than what I used to have. You, and it, it's not to say that you're not going to still PR and we don't still really value when you do something you've never done physically. That is what we're, that is one of the reasons why we're here. So it's not to demean that at all because our experience may be a little bit closer to competing. Uh, you may be on a journey where you're still not at peak performance and you're getting there and that is, that's amazing. Um, eventually though, every single person is going to get to a point in the gym where they stop 
necessarily PRing, but they begin to uh, begin to get into that routine where longevity becomes the ultimate goal. And so that's kind of the conversation for today. But if you're still going for that personal record or you're still wanting to achieve something you've never done, go for it. Give it your best effort. 100% effort is still vital to success. Um, but don't be afraid to take that step into longevity, especially if you begin to feel some, some stress around exercise or um, the discomfort that's there. We definitely value, you know, coming to the gym and laughing just as much as coming to the gym and, um, you know, in, in agony or that feeling after the workout. So um, I think that balancing those two is, is a long journey and it may take a lot of work with it, but we're here for you and, um, and kind of want to take that journey with you. I think if you can look at the competition that happens inside the gym as a healthy competition and have fun with it and use it for what it is, a way to make it enjoyable and uh, for everybody, but also not you know put it on this pedestal to where you're defined by the results of the day, you're going to have a much more enjoyable experience and you're going to continue for a long period of time. If, on the other hand, you are using the competition and as a as defining your self-worth day in and day out, you're eventually going to get burned out. And that's what we've seen over the years. So. Um, I thought that was a great discussion. Um, I think when it comes to longevity, it really did. It really comes down to is what you're doing sustainable for a long period of time? And is it continually moving you towards your ultimate goals? And if both of those are the case, keep doing what you're doing. You know, we've been open over 10 years now. We've have we've have people that have been coming for 10 years. And that's ultimately our goal is we want people to be able to come to Coyote for 10, 20, 30 years. And um, if you don't feel like that's something you could do, maybe realizing I'm in a season where I'm going really hard, but I, I know I can pull back into something more sustainable for the long term. Or if you, you know, that's, that's completely fine. But if also you're, you're the person that's, I don't think I can sustain this and I don't know how to do it any other way. That's when it's worth talking to a coach about finding something that's a little bit more sustainable for you, because ultimately the goal is longevity for all of us. Cause we're going to be on this planet a lot longer than we realize, and so we want to be uh, prepared for it. So that was a great discussion. Uh, let's move on to the next segment, Outside the Box. Um, Caleb, what you got going on? I'm doing nothing outside the box right now. Uh, no, we're, we're all – I mean, you know this, man. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks, but this is just like the first child is, is really something that is uh, such a unique time period in life. And so we – being in a gym with – hundreds and hundreds of people every day everybody is at a different stage of that journey and you know getting to talk with people that kind of has become uh, a big topic obviously this is something very new for my wife and going through having her first baby and so going through like that change physically that kind of is like that's what makes up our 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 week and kind of how we shift around how she's feeling what we can do for her and and what she's going through. So I'm trying to just get into that mode of uh, preparing for uh, for being there to support her because it really is like it's real for her in a way that it's not yet real for me in, in that regard. So um, I don't know. That's that's kind of what we're doing is is everything is starting to shift a little bit being halfway through halfway through the pregnancy. It changes our routines already a little bit. I know it's going to um, just kind of lead into uh, a whole different spin on on marriage having a kid now that's that's awesome yeah we just uh we had our gender reveal this weekend and we we're having two little girls and we could not be more excited about that and having discussions over names and fights over names and that type of thing it's really it's really been fun but i noticed uh, your voice got a little higher saying the two girls now yeah, yeah. You're, uh, two girls <laughs> yeah we already i'm already working on um 
you know, plans for all that. And so it's been, it's been a blast and we're really looking forward to that and walking through that process. And, um, so Claire and I have really enjoyed, uh, that. And, uh, now that we know the gender, we can, it really has become real and thinking about, um, you know, planning on, um, you know, what the, what the, what the rest of our lives are going to look like, you know? So, um, we're, we're excited. Well, this past weekend, I, uh, I had, uh, a, a one of our uh, members Nelson Bird ordered us some privacy trees and my dad my dad uh, thankfully came over and helped me plant them and it was much more of an endeavor than I expected it was a lot harder than and it took a lot longer and uh, than I thought but it was it was really fun to do that with my dad and and it's something that he really enjoys to do and we spent Sunday afternoon uh, digging and planting planting five trees we have a uh, basically there's one house behind us that you can kind of see into. And so we wanted to plant some trees that would eventually cover that. So, um, that was a fun process. And now we're kind of working on our, our backyard and the layout and, you know, think about putting some, you know, a little garden in there and, and Claire's got some trees and stuff. So, uh, kind of making our, our new backyard, our home. And so we've been really enjoying, uh, kind of going through that process. It's a little bit different than, uh, how we did our first house, but I'm glad that we kind of had experience in our first house to kind of give us an idea of what we wanted our next house to look like. So we've been walking through that process and, um, enjoying the nice weather outside and going to Lowe's and looking at plants and that type of stuff. So we're kind of in that mode of get the backyard ready, start working on putting some cribs together, you know, getting stuff ready for the, uh, for the fall. So that's kind of where, where we, uh, where we've been at. Well, you got anything to recommend before we uh, wrap it up, Caleb? I do. I have a, I have a TV show shocking. I need to try to expand my horizon of what I recommend to people, but uh, this is like one of my favorite things to do. Watch it, watch a show, my wife and I. So there's a show called Drops of God. It's on Apple TV. Um, essentially, it is the story of the greatest wine collection on earth and um, the relationship that the, the man who has that has with his estranged daughter and then his protege who he trained. And he leaves them his inheritance as a competition and between the two of them they have a test of three different wines that they have to identify the vintage and um so he has left them this and his daughter uh has this unique uh, medical um uh i don't know what you would what you'd say but she's got she's got a um nosebleeds and some really like poor like negative responses to alcohol and so she then goes down this journey of trying to identify wines and vintage through smell and it's uh anyway so it becomes this contest and so that's the story it's only for this week will be the fourth episode that comes out so it's still only a couple episodes deep but it is it's creative it's very unique i think the world of wine is is kind of fascinating to me i bought a book on that this summer and started reading a little bit because the depth that you can get into into wine and the differences is so subtle to me but to a lot of people is is really kind of a fun and unique aspect of uh, taste and food and so um anyway it's a great show it's on apple tv drops of god um so check it out is that a uh, reality or is that like a no it's a true story a tr uh, no 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 it's not a true story it's a it's a fictional but story. it's based off a true story though i have no idea oh okay cool maybe i i don't know it uh i read a i read a a book about how to you know taste wine and that type of thing but i'm still in the michael scott category of this is a white this is a white <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at in my wine uh, journey, but uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I can't. Did I recommend Jury Duty last time? I don't think I'd watched. No, it last time we, we hadn't watched it. Okay, this is so, this has uh, been sweeping the last so two weeks. So Jury Duty, 
uh, on Amazon, uh, and it's on freebie, but I haven't laughed this hard at a TV show in a very, very long time, and I've been recommending it to people in the gym. I recommend on on my Instagram, and people have been telling me how much they've been enjoying it. It is so, so funny, but basically, the premise of Jury Duty is they put out an ad for uh, people to come and be a part of filming a documentary they were going to do on being a part of jury duty. Little did the guy that they picked know he was the only one who wasn't an actor involved in the whole jury. And so it's a fake jury and all that type of stuff, but he thinks it's real and they drag this thing on for three weeks and they throw so many different things at this guy. And it is just, it's just insane. Like they're really trying to see how far they can push this guy. And he takes it so well and he thinks it's so real, but he even, even he is like, I feel like I'm part of a TV show, and he says that a couple different times. But, gosh, there are, there are like at least probably ten times where I was laughing out loud at the stuff that happens. It is so, so funny. And we've already been watching it through the second time. And um, Jerry Duty on Amazon, highly recommend it. One of the funniest things I've seen in a very, very, very long time. And uh, I think it's it's probably going to go down as one of the the hits of the year as far as TV goes because it's just gosh it's so funny. The the writers of the office uh are who put that together and I didn't realize so, that. Yeah, and so if you like that kind of like reality comedy but also with those they do a lot of those side interviews like they did in the office with people and the characters are just are just wild. So it's like I, a real life office. So yeah, there you it go. is. It's a lot closer to a real life office. That's exactly right. Uh, I just I'm 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 blown away by the actors in that show too because they they don't have any idea what this guy's going to say and they just kind of roll with it. It's just so so funny. So I recommend Jury Duty. Go go watch it. You you will not regret it on Amazon uh, freebie. So uh, that's it for this week. Uh, uh, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. silky smooth sounds.